Hey, let's, uh, today we're starting a new series and we're going to cover this for the, about the next four weeks. And if this is your first time here, let me invite you, come back next week to continue this. But we are going to start a series called Hope is Here. Hope is here, folks. You say, well, not just here, but wherever God is, there's hope. And we serve a great God and we serve a fantastic Father who just wants us to know that we have hope. And that you can have, well, I don't see a lot of hope in the world. I don't have a lot of hope in the world. Well, that's because you're putting hope in the world. That's because you're putting a hope in something that can't offer you hope. And, you know, we've been going through this year, and let's just face it, the last year and a half's been tough. It's been hard on everybody, mentally, uh, some physically, and, and, you know, it's been such a change that's happened. But I'm going to tell you something that hasn't changed in the last year and a half is God. He has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same victory that he promised in the word of God is the same victory he wants you to live in now. And we, we live in a time where we need hope more than ever. God has designed you. You are designed to live in a, in, in a rhythm with God. You were designed to live in a rhythm with God. Your whole spirit should be just ebb and flow with the heartbeat of the Father. Amen. That's how you were designed. You were designed to connect to God. And, 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 and at the very whisper of God, it should perk your ears. Amen. When he just whispers, sometimes we, we hear people say all the time, I, I, I can't even hear God anymore. He didn't go anywhere. We just started getting our eyes on everything else. Our eyes are here and our eyes are there and our eyes are here. You know, people say all the time, be careful what you're watching over here because something's happening over here. <laughs> How about let's just quit looking here or here and start looking here. we just quit paying attention to all the things in this world that has driven us nuts over the last year and a half and we just start declaring that this is the day the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. I don't care what else is going on. I don't care what else is happening. I don't care who's where and what's done. I choose today. Amen. You know, but what happens is we fill our calendars up if you're like me, I, I, I told we were going to go to Elizabeth's volleyball game on Friday. And I didn't look at my calendar before I put it. So our family, we were going to take off and, and drive and go watch her play volleyball. And then I thought, oh man, I overbooked myself. You ever overbooked yourself? <laughs> so I heard somebody say all the time. But see, that seems like the kind of life that we've lived in here lately. That seems like it's normal for everybody. We fill our calendars so full. And, and how many of you have trouble saying no? <laughs> Good, I got a few honest people in the room. Will you do this? Okay, I really don't have time. I really can't get into that. What happens is, is we actually live with a harmful, everybody say harmful, harmful. drive to achieve. 
Now, being a success is okay. Wanting to be a success is okay. But it's when we have this drive to constantly achieve. Well, I got to do something. What'd you do today? Nothing. You ever, you ever been afraid to tell people you did nothing today? Because they look at you. Lazy. I, I, I went back this week and listened to a word, a, a, a prophecy that a young lady who was in the church, um, who visited our church a few years ago. And in this word, she, she, was blessed, she was saying a blessing over me, and she said, I bless you with days where you do nothing but sit in the presence of the Father. Days where you feel like you should get everything accomplished, but you decide and I thought, man, how hard is that sometimes? I know for me it is. Where there's days where I don't just sit in the presence of the Father. I got to feel like I got to get something done. I, I feel guilty. You should never feel guilty enjoying life. Jesus has came. Jesus came so that you and I could have rest. We're going to talk about this. We just did a series, what, three weeks ago on rest. That's all we talked about was that rest. But this rest that Jesus gives us, it, it, this rest, it's found in grace. And it's a rest that does not demand that we jump through all the right hoops or get everything right. Bobby, that's a quote on there. Please bring that up. I want you to read this. I, I, when I, I put this up there, this rest that God gives us is found in a grace that does not demand that we jump through hoops or that we get everything right. But that's not how life works. That's how his life works. It might not be what we've done in our life. It might not be how we've made it in our life. But he said, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. See, this is when we know hope is here because hope gives you rest. If you are hopeless, there is no rest. Have you ever went through a situation that seemed hopeless? How much sleep did you get? None. None. But see, folks, God wants us to come to a place where we're not exhausted just trying to keep up. That's not what God wants for you. Well, I've got to do this, and I've, I've got this drive, and I've got this going on. And, 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 but that's not what God has planned for you. How many of you have said this? I can't let somebody help me. I'll look weak, I'll feel weak, I'll sound weak. Does that sound like rest? In John chapter 14, this won't be on your screen. Talking about the Holy Spirit, it says, Jesus says that he, got, he had to go away so that the comforter would come. That comforter over there is the word paraclete, which means one who was called alongside to help. See, we can always tell when we're having trouble. Oh, hang on. 
We can always tell when we're having trouble letting others help us because that's directly related to how we let God help us. I'll figure this out. Just give me a few minutes. I'll get this. Let me figure this out. Let me, let me, let me figure this. I got this. I got this. Sometimes, you know what? It's okay to throw up your hands and say, I don't got this. I need help. I'll start with God and then I'm going to look for somebody else. See, you say, what has all this got to do with hope? It has everything to do with hope because, folks, you were created as a human being, not a human doing. You weren't created to just do and do and do and do and do. We were created to be. We were created to rest in the arms of a father that loves us, who doesn't, <coughs> excuse me, who doesn't require us to jump through all the hoops, who isn't worried if I get every little thing right. Some of you are bound by a demon of perfectionism. Well, it's got to be right. It's got to be right. Let me get work this. Let me work this out. Let me work this out. And all of a sudden, you find yourself, well, it's not working out right. And so I guess I'm just not living up to my potential. I'll just sit down then. I'll just quit. Come on. Anybody in here like that? Don't raise your hand. Nobody knows I'm talking about you if you don't raise your hand. (laughs) Folks, we are human beings. We were created to be in the presence of our Father, to be loved by Him, to know that we are enough. This is hope. A few years ago, some researchers did a, a study on some lab rats. Now, our girls back here in the back, she used to work in a research lab. She... She did all this stuff to animals, so. But in this research, they took these rats and they dropped them in, in separate tubs of water. And what they would do is the researchers left one set in the water and what they found out is within an hour, they drowned. They put that another set in another tub of water And every so often, every few minutes, they would go in and lift the rat out of the water. And then they would put them back in. And then a few minutes later, they would go and lift them out of the water. And then they would put them back in. What they found is the rats who they lifted out of the water swam in that water for 24 hours. And they said, well, it was because they got rest. And the researcher says, no, it wasn't because we didn't give them that much rest. But there was a hope that I won't constantly be swimming and trying to keep my head above water. And when they knew they had that hope, they were able to continue on just a little longer. You see, a lot of us, a lot of us give up because we don't see hope. And so we just quit swimming Dora just went through my head. Just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. Just keep swimming. So we, do, we quit swimming because we don't have hope. Folks, I'm here to tell you that God gave you that hope. That's the power of hope. It's the power.
power to keep things going. And, and, and it's the power to know that this is not all there is. And it's not always going to be this way. We got to understand that just a mere word from God will change everything. Oh, and if we're, no matter what it is, Jesus offered hope. And the characteristics in the scripture about Jesus, no matter if it was a funeral going down the middle of the road, if it was lepers outside the gates, if it was any sickness, disease, death, the scriptures let us know that if Jesus is here, then there is hope. If Jesus is here, then hope is here. Yeah, that all sounds good, but how many of you would agree? Life's hard. It's okay to say it. I know we're, uh, those of us that came out of the Word of Faith movement, we, oh, don't you say it. You speak it, you have it. <laughs> Come on, am I the only one that came from me? But you know, me saying life's hard is not me speaking life's hard. It's the reality that life's hard. Go to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, from the modern English version, says this way, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. You know, sometimes we just need to remember that we don't need to put hope off. Well, maybe there'll be hope someday, but right now it looks hopeless. And anytime things start looking hopeless in our life, what does it do? Well, according to scripture, hope deferred makes us sick. Some of us are dealing with stress, high blood pressure, ulcers, nervous conditions. Why? Because we've given up hope. We've given up hope, and hope when it is given up. That word deferred there, it means to prolong or delay. Folks, not only is hope something that you have, hope is something that you choose. You have to choose hope. Emily, I can't choose hope for you. I can tell you there's hope. I can tell you because Jesus is here, hope is here. But when it comes down to it, you're the one that has to choose that. You're the one that has to believe that. And if you just keep putting your hope off, if you keep delaying your hope, then it will absolutely make you sick. So you mean I'm choosing to go through some of the things I'm going through? Who defers your hope? You ever, had a, you ever been behind on a car payment? And the bank says, if you just call us, we can defer a payment. You know what that means? That means they take it out of the front and they stick it to the back of the book. Right, car salesman? Take it out of the front and stick it in the back of the book. That eventually you'll get there. That's what some of us has done with our hope. I don't see it in this situation, Sheila. I don't see where this is going to work. I don't see how this is going to come. So we rip our hope out and we stick it in the back and say, maybe if I can get through all of this... I'll find hope again.
but you weren't designed to live that way. You were designed. Peter, uh, yeah, Peter talks about, he says, cast all your care. All of your, Amplified Version says, all of your anxiety onto him. For he lovingly and affectionately cares about you. So all the anxiety, all my fear, all this, I need to throw it off of me. That's my choice. Hope is here as long as you want to walk in hope. (laughs) Sometimes we just need crazy enough to be crazy enough to believe it. Let me read this. Uh, Joseph Benson, he wrote, he, he translated this. Look, it'll be on your screen. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. The delay of what a man eagerly desires and expects is such an affliction that it differs little from a lingering disease. When I put my hope off, it varies little from a, than the lingering disease. He says, but when the desire cometh, when the good desired and expected is obtained, it is a tree of life. That is, the most sweet, satisfactory, that is most sweet and satisfactory and reviving to the soul. If you're in here today and you need your soul revived, I'm not saying your spirit saved. If you need that, you already got it too. Just accept it and go. (laughs) Come on. All he's wanting is you to love him back. But if you need your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions revived, it's found in Jesus. Because when Jesus is here, hope is here. Too often we go looking for hope in temporary things that don't last. I've heard people say, I've tried it all. I've tried it all, and none of it worked. Now, most of you know, if, if you don't, you're just getting to know me, I played semi-pro football. So I, I kind of go back and lean on sports a little bit. Vince Lombardi, and if you don't know who that is, you can look him up. Look at what he said. Vince Lombardi said, fatigue. So uh, delayed hope makes us sick, right? Fatigue. He said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. In other words, when you're so tired and you're worn out and life has beat you down, what it does is, I'm afraid to start again. I'm afraid to try it again. What if it don't work this time? I've tried it before and it didn't work. What if it don't work? Fatigue makes cowards. You see, mm mm-hmm. Fatigue makes us cowards. It it keeps us locked into a shell of bondage. It keeps us locked into a shell of hopelessness. And what it does is it continues to make us sicker. And we can't find hope. Go to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me. We, We quoted this a minute ago. Come to me. All you that labor and are heavy laden. And what is our promise from Jesus? And I will give 
you rest. But but who has to do the coming to? Because we're the one that puts our hope off. We're the one that puts our hope to the back of the book saying maybe I'll get there. But Jesus does this the opposite. He said if you'll just come over here to me if you're heavy laden, if you're burdened, if there's something heavy on your shoulders, Jesus' invitation to you right now is come on over here. Come to me and I will give you rest. Verse 29. Now it's funny, what does Jesus offer for rest? A tool. He said, take my yoke on you. A yoke is a tool, it's a, it's a work. It was something that was used to, 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 to have oxen. They would take one, uh, one ox and another ox, put both their heads in this yoke. Now what did I tell you the Holy Spirit was? One caught alongside to help. So they would take these two yokes and they would put them in, uh, take these two oxen and they would put them in this yoke so that if one was tired, the other could push. So what's Jesus say? He says, take my yoke upon you when I read that this week he showed me a picture of me and Jesus yoked together the only problem of it was my feet didn't touch the ground I was just hanging on he said this is my yoke take my yoke upon you Learn of me. Why? Because he wants to do the work in my life. He wants to take care of the issues. He wants to take care of the strife. He wants to take care of the hard thing. And I was just hanging there and my feet were dangling and I was doing no work. He said, this is what it's like to be yoked up with me. If you're really yoked up with me. Yeah. He said, take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. Learn from me. For I am meek and lowly of heart and you will find rest for your souls. Verse 30. For my yoke is easy. Well, when you're not having to do the work, it's easy, right? See, the hardest part that God gave us to do is for us to trust him. Well, that's hard for me to do only because you fight it. Not because he's fighting you. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What Jesus is doing here first, he is actually acknowledging that life's heavy, that there's work to do. And what Jesus is doing is he's normalizing struggle. He normalizes it. Yeah, it's okay, you struggle. I have struggles. Me too. I tell people all the time, God taught me this a long time ago. There's a, a, a verse, I shared it with somebody this week. I can't even remember who it is now. But um, there's a, a, a verse in Psalms where he says that God would have judged them, but he realized they were just mere men. And when I caught that verse, Kevin... That's something I say to people all the time. They'll come to me, oh, I'm sorry, I let you down, I did this, I did that. And I'm like, you know what? I'd be mad at you if you wasn't so human. <laughs> Amen? That's how God treats us now. He, yeah, he's got every right to just say, you know what? You're an idiot. Let's just take you out of this picture. 
Okay, maybe not you, but me. All right, I, me. Brent, you're an idiot. <laughs> this Brent, not that Brent. So let's just take you out of the picture. But he goes, wait a minute. I know you. You're still trying to fight out that old nature that's already dead and passed and gone and you keep trying to resurrect the zombie nature and bring it back and put it on and let it stink all over you. Come on. Jesus took our old nature and nailed it to the cross. He killed that mess. But I try to resurrect it all the time. <laughs> zombie nature. But see, when I find out that I'm, when I realize I'm going yoke to him and all of a sudden he's doing the plowing and he's doing the pushing, all of a sudden there's hope. Our problem is, is we don't realize who we're yoked to and we're trying to plow our own rows rather than letting him plow it for us. Jesus says, if you're weary, come to me. He offers a solution he is that solution. And it wasn't legalistic and it's not uh, uh, religious or it's not some performance-based need to succeed. He says, I am the answer for it all. All you have to do is trust me. Just come on. Just love me back. Just let me do it. Let me have it. They did a, a, I watched a documentary one time on some apes in the jungle. And these apes, they would go to uh, logs and they would reach their hands in there and pull out the termites and eat them. Sounds like lunch. Well, what they would do is they would put stuff in there that was bigger than the exit. And the ape would reach his hand in there and when he closed his fist, now his fist became too big to pull out of the log. And when they went to catch him, instead of letting go, he would try to run away holding the log. How many times are we chased down by the enemy rather than letting go? We don't see hope, so let me hold on to this. And the enemy chases us down because we won't let go of whatever this thing is. Everybody say this with me. Sometimes it's okay to let go. I can't do that. Who's going to handle it? Hope's going to handle it. Because if Jesus is here, then hope is here. Go to Psalms 116. Folks, he just invites us to remove everything that's weighed us down. In Psalms 116, verse 7 and 8, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation, he says, now I can say to myself, some of you need to start talking to yourself. Well, I do, and people think I'm crazy. That's all right, let them think what they need to think. He says, now I can say to myself and to all, now look what he says to himself. Relax and rest. Be confident and serene. For the Lord rewards fully those who simply trust. 
him. Some of you are saying that to yourself right now. I see people all over this room. I can read it in your face. Or you closed your eyes and you begin to say, it's okay, we should do that. Relax. Rest. Be confident. Be serene. For the Lord rewards those who fully, rewards fully those who simply trust him. Verse uh, 8. God has rescued my soul from death's fear and dried my eyes of many tears. He kept my feet firmly on the path. So when we start thinking life is hard, remember, say to yourself, you take the yoke upon him. You take hope. You develop hope and say, relax, rest. God's got this and God's got me. So let me ask you, how heavy is the yoke you're carrying today? Is your yoke soul crushing or is it life giving? Well, it depends on what we're yoked up with, folks. Depends on what we're yoked up with. Uh, excuse me, go to Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 again. Jesus says, take, <coughs> excuse me, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly at heart and you will find rest for your souls. I want to, I want to read you a poem from A.B. Simpson. It'll, it'll be up on your screen. Little A.B. Simpson writes here. He says, once my hands... We're always trying, trying hard to do my best. Now my heart is sweetly trusting and my soul is at rest. Once my life was full of effort, now it's full of joy and zest. Since I took his yoke upon me, Jesus gives me his rest, gives to me his rest. Folks, quit trying so hard. But I gotta please God. I gotta please God. I gotta do it right. Pleasing God has nothing to do with what you do. Jesus already took care of everything on the cross. How did Psalm say that he fully rewards? He fully rewards those who simply trust. It's not about checking a bunch of boxes. It's not about doing all these things. It's simply trusting a father who loves you so much that he was willing to go through the worst man could offer up. You realize the cross was man's idea of justice. <laughs> Ephesians tells us that he had already chosen us from before the foundation of the world. Well, what does that mean? That means Adam was forgiven before he sinned. Let your head wrap around that one. Guess what? From the foundation of the world, he chose you. And all he asks is that you choose him back. That you enter into trust with him. 
Yeah, but I don't know. Go to Psalm 16. Psalm 16. And from the voice says, He is ever present with me. How often? Well, I can't feel God. Well, his presence is not determined by your feelings. <laughs> I need that goosebump. No, you don't. You need trust. And, and here's the cool thing about it. He provides the faith for you to trust him. It's not even your trust. <laughs> for it is given to every man, Romans. It is given to every man the measure of faith. He already gave it to you. Everything you need to trust God is already there. It's a choice now. He says, he is ever present with me at all times. He goes before me. I will not live in fear. That's a declaration. Some of you are going through stuff this morning and you need to start going to these verses. Go back and write these down. Watch this message several times. Say to yourself, I will not live in fear. Why? I have hope. Because where Jesus is, hope is here. Mm. I will not live in fear or abandon my calling. Because he stands at my right hand, yoked together. Oof. Verse 9. This is a good life. Say it right now. This? Say it again till you believe it. This is a good life. Did I say everything was perfect and everything was, was, you know, there's no problems? No, there's an enemy. He likes to cause problems. But I'm telling you, this is a good life. <laughs> Lord our God. Well, it's not perfect. This is a good life. My heart is glad. Paul told King Agrippa, he said, I think myself happy. I tell my brain, get happy. Come on, get happy. Some of you will remember that. Some of you won't. He said, this is a good life. My heart is glad. My soul is full of joy. But it's not full of joy right now, Pastor. Maybe you need to jump for joy. I'm not saying you have joy, so jump. I'm saying maybe you need joy, so you jump. I remember Brother Hagan when we were in Ramah telling a story that he was on the stage preaching and he saw, uh, and he was just coming over into the Pentecostal world and somebody come up front and they were dancing all over the place. And he said, Lord, I would love to do that. He said, well, why are you waiting on? He said, I don't know. So he jumps off stage. He said, man, what I started out in the flesh, God ended in the spirit. We're sitting in class one day and he's telling that story. And he says, I'm telling you, if somebody had take off dancing right now, I'd dance with them. I didn't realize I was first. 
But what happened, I jumped up and I just took off dancing. No music, no nothing, I jumped for joy. Well, then this old preacher, the guy that founded our body, he starts dancing. And before you know it, there's 900 people going nuts all over a room. Joy is contagious. Hope is contagious. David said, this is a good life and I will be glad. My soul is filled with joy. And my body is at rest. I love the last words here, the way that, I think this is the voice, right? Yeah, the way the voice puts it. He said, who wants more? What more do you want? A good life? A heart full of joy? (laughs) Folks, we have to understand that hope is here. I'm going to skip the rest of this message and close with Matthew 28 from the message. Go to Matthew 28. Oh, I'm sorry, not Matthew 28. Matthew 11, 28. From the message. Look how the message puts this. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn, and I love this, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. God, it's got a good beat and it's easy to dance to. It's unforced rhythms where God just says, come and dance with me. Watch how I rest and you rest the same. Lay your burdens, lay your cares, lay everything off on me. Learn of me, I'm easy. Jesus says, I'm easy. I'm easy here. You want to please me? That's easy. Just come on, get in the yoke. Let me do the work. Cast all your care on me for I care for you. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't, now this is, here's this promise. I won't lay anything on you. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. He's not going to lay a bunch of heavy stuff on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Maybe I'm not keeping the right company. Maybe I'm just hanging around negative Nelly over there. It's bad, it's horrible, it's awful. Gloom, doom, despair. They know it. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. 
If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Maybe we're listening to the wrong people. Maybe we're just listening to the ones who have deferred their hope and now their life is sick. The enemies chase them and they're still trying to drag that log around when all they have to do is say, here God, you take it and I am going to rest in your arms. Folks, I'm telling you, over the next four weeks, we're gonna continue to talk about hope is here. Amen? Let's pray. Father, let's go. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. Father, I praise you that you have done this in us. I thank you that you've given us hope. I thank you that you've given us peace. I thank you that you've given us a declaration that life is good. And so, Father, we just praise you and we thank you. Let your word come alive in us this week. That we go back and we watch this and we, we write these scriptures down and we quote it every day. This is a good life. My heart is full of joy. And if I don't have it, I'll jump for it. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. amen.